broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Chattanooga, Tennessee, it's time for Chattanooga Business Radio. Now, here are your Business Radio X hosts. Hello and welcome to another exciting and informative edition of Chattanooga Business Radio. I'm your host today, Ryan McPherson, and we're broadcasting live from the beautiful Hamilton County Business Development Center here on the North Shore in downtown Chattanooga. Remind our listeners to make sure you're following us on Twitter at Business Radio X. And today we're using the hashtag Chattanooga Business Radio. I know that's a long hashtag, but if you type it in once, it should auto-remember uh, each and every time, just like my phone. So uh, don't be afraid to hashtag us today, Chattanooga Business Radio. we got a great lineup of guests in studio today, so let's not waste another minute. Let's introduce them to you. First, to my radio left is Mr. Michael Walton. He's Executive Director of Green Spaces. How are you doing today, Michael? Doing well. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Please share with our listeners what you'll be talking to them about today. So I'm going to tell people about Green Spaces Chattanooga, uh, which is our nonprofit here. Uh, it's a 501c3, and our mission is to advance the sustainability of living, working, and building in Chattanooga and the surrounding region. And so we have a lot of exciting programs that I'm going to tell the listeners about today. Look forward to hearing about that. It sounds like your work is really, truly work that's changing the world. So we want to uh, focus on that here in just a few moments. But please stick with us as we also introduce Mr. Keith Campbell, president of 3D Operations, Inc. Welcome back, Keith. Thank you so much. It's great to be back. Yes, you were on the uh, episode Chattanooga Business Radio a few times ago. And so how'd you enjoy that experience? Uh, well, I survived. <laughs> <laughs> good. So we didn't beat you up too much on not, air. That's not good. Not at all. Very good. And 3D Ops, you guys are changing the world uh, of, of that type. And uh, so what are you doing exactly for folks? Well, our focus is 3D printing, but bringing 3D printing to healthcare, where we can really enhance patient outcomes in surgery. So we actually print the uh, models for the surgeons to look at and to plan their surgery before they walk into the operating room. That's very interesting and certainly uh, helping people and saving lives is what you're doing. That's our goal. All right. Very good. All right. Let's also introduce our leadoff interview today. Her name is Laura Hessler and she's with the HR Shop. How are you doing, Laura? I'm great. How are you? I am wonderful. So awesome. tell us about the HR Shop, please. So the HR Shop helps startups and small businesses with their people function. Uh, they don't call it human capital for nothing. And so we want to make sure that startups and small businesses are really managing that not only effectively, but also to maximize the potential and reduce the cost that incurs with when you have people working for you. Right. And, and what's your definition of a startup or small business? Well, a, my target market for me is certainly a, a, a startup, which is kind of self-explanatory. We have a great startup community here. So businesses um, that are either in the accelerator program or moving here to really start up that has typically more than one person. Mm -hmm. um, and then for a small business, the target market for small business for me is somewhere around 20 employees. Um, when you get over 25 and up into the 50, laws start changing and you really probably need one of me full time. And my goal is to be able to provide uh, an HR and training executive to startups and small businesses um, part time. I see. So you can provide that stopgap for that growing business before they reach 50 employees. You can That's be right. their go to uh, uh, place for HR needs. Exactly. Um, and a startup, you know, can be anyone from a new guy who's developed a, a new way to cut grass to an absolutely new invention of a new app. That's exactly right. A and lot of times people confuse startup with tech only. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and it really is anything. 
thing. And so, you know, anytime you have more than one person working for you, laws apply. And people who um, are starting up a business or are leaving the corporate world not only are not really aware of what laws may apply to them, but also the laws are constantly changing. Mm-hmm. And so understanding that compliance affects you, um, that you are certainly putting yourself at risk as a business owner and knowing how to ensure that your compliance is in place and how to best manage and train and recruit your people is really key to ensuring minimum uh, impact on a dollar perspective from employees turning over. And how long have you been doing this? So I opened my business about a year ago, but have been in this space, uh, in the recruiting and HR space for about 18 years. And I did that both uh, at HCA in Nashville, um, here at TVA. So I have public private and actual federal sector experience with that. And you've seen it change and evolve through the years. Absolutely. And have technologies now adapted to this space. Uh, Mm -hmm. But in your opinion, your professional opinion, what are some of the big uh, uh, challenges or mistakes that first-time startups people make? One of the things that I see most frequently in my business is this concept of creating a great corporate culture. And there is this belief, certainly in the startup community, and we see this especially in the tech sector, that if I create a cool environment, and create free Cokes and ice cream and jeans and flip-flops and bring your dog to work, then I'm going to have a great corporate culture. And those are really two mutually exclusive things. And so one of the things that I see happen most often, not only with small businesses, but with startups, is getting them to realize that you need to define what you want your culture to be before you really even start scaling. Um, Because if you haven't clearly defined that, it's going to be defined for you, and then it may be totally out of your control to fix it. Um, It's interesting that in this country, 60% of all lawsuits, all lawsuits, are an employee suing an employer. Uh, Okay. And in 80% of those lawsuits, a judge or jury sides with the employee. Hmm. And so for a big company, absorbing that risk is minimal compared to if you only have five employees and you're facing that t- that type of legal action. Yeah, so that's it. I had no idea of the numbers there about lawsuits and then also the uh, the winner of the case is most often right. the employee. Exactly. So from an employer's perspective, we need to make sure we have all of our bases covered, yes. the right laws are being adhered to, mm-hmm. and we're treating our employees, you know, uh, as they should, absolutely, uh, and making them part of the culture, absolutely. Um, in here, so how about business today? How are they finding you? Is it uh, referral, or do you have other uh, people actively? Uh, uh, advocating for your services? Um, a lot of what I do is referral. Um, I am also a mentor for the fall accelerator cl- class for the company lab here in Chattanooga. And so I get a lot of exposure just from doing presentations, um, networking, and, and other small businesses or startups who have used me will frequently refer another startup or small business. Unfortunately, a lot of times people come to me or are referred to me once they're in a situation where they're in trouble. Right. And so we become very real reactive in trying to address some of these situations that really could have been uh, addressed proactively had they really kind of done their due diligence ahead of time. So in a lot of ways, you're like an insurance policy for the company. You're providing them that safety net to make sure all their T's are crossed and their I's are dotted before something bad happens. Exactly. Because one of the things that we really see in business and not just startups is someone comes to the table with a great idea um, and they're so focused, myopically focused sometimes on growing that business and getting that idea or that product to market that they haven't stopped to realize that maybe they don't know how to manage people effectively. Maybe they really don't know how to hire well and scale those people up and put the right people in the right positions. And then on top of that, ensuring that they're 
compliant when they do hire people with all of the hiring laws and how they're managing them and what kind of environment you're creating your company to be in. And so one of the things that I try to do is raise the awareness that you don't know what you don't know. Mm -hmm. And so here are some things that can really directly impact your business significantly. And let's get to work on some of those so that you can focus on growing your business instead of working in the business. That makes perfect sense. So we're talking with Laura Hessler. She's the owner of the HR shop. Uh, sounds like you're a one-stop shop for people if they need help with uh, their human resources needs. I try to be. And I also um, have a couple of partners that I work with, too, so that if you are ever in a situation where you do have to go to court, I'm not a lawyer, mm-hmm. but one of my partners is a, a phenomenal um, employment attorney. And then I also partner with a couple of other people so that if you need payroll or kind of some of those things that are HR related, but really out of my scope of practice, I can certainly get you set up with people to do that. One thing we hear a lot here on Business Radio X and all all of our multi-platform shows is the uh, the lo- changing of the laws of HR all the time. Yes. Year to year, always new stuff. Implementation, implementation of this new Affordable Health Care Act is yes. changing a lot of that. Where do you go to stay updated and current on all the new regulations out there? Well, it's interesting. That is one of the struggles that we face in HR law because um, just because the law stipulates something, a lot of uh, compliance issues are defined by how judges are ruling on them. So just because the law seems really cut and dry, we may see a trend with how a precedent is being set with a ruling. So one of the things that I try to do is I'm actually um, plugged into an employment law network that's a legal network that sends out a daily brief. Um, they scrub uh, case cases across the country. And so I'm kind of am aware and keeping my finger on the pulse of what decisions are coming down for employment law, um, but it is ever-changing. I know we think uh, last year Congress really didn't get much done, but they actually passed 60 new employment laws. Of course they did. The majority of those were for California, uh-huh. fortunately, but one of them actually was for the state of Tennessee. Mm. And you really, employers who are not plugged in would have known about it, but it really um, goes in and helps define um, social media usage and the governance that an employer has over an employee's social media right. accounts. And so that's very pertinent. But unless you are really aware of those laws coming down the pipe, you may be violating them and be completely unaware. You yeah, have no idea unless you're plugged in or you're somebody like Laura Hessler herself, who certainly is very knowledgeable on all these uh, changes going on. Uh, let's revisit the, uh, the the word culture and the mm-hmm. corporate culture. My understanding, you have three key points that uh, must be adhered to to be yes. successful with your corporate culture. Share with our listeners, please. So first of all, founders and their employees really need to work on defining what they want their culture to look like. Uh, and that should really match what you want your ultimate goal to be. So if you read what Google's culture, uh, the, the 10 things that define them, it looks very different than the 10 things that define Zappos culture, because they're both accomplishing two completely different objectives. Uh, neither one is right or wrong, but their key objectives and values were built around what their business proposition mm-hmm. is. So that's the first thing. And that usually comes from the top down? Always has to come from Always the top down. Always comes from the top down. Yes. Okay. Um, the second thing is incorporating that business culture once you've defined it into all of your practices. So do you have clearly written job descriptions that reinforce the culture? Are you performance managing people to that culture to ensure that they're perpetuating it and keeping that culture going? And then lastly, when you see that your culture is not scaling correctly, the first thing to do is to regroup and take a look at your values and what you've defined as your mission for your company to ensure that it is scalable and that it's going to be 
able to maintain the feel that you want for your company as you continue to hopefully grow. Yeah, and, and that culture is a hugely important piece to uh, attracting new talent, retaining the good quality talent that you have already, and just uh, continuing success for the mission of the Absolutely. business overall. Absolutely. Uh, the culture is super important. And uh, so what advice do you have for founders that want to hire a close family member or friend? <laughs> well, I, I always tell people to be very aware of what they're hiring um, and who they're hiring and what they're hiring it for. We tend to look as a startup, and I'm a startup as well, and so you typically don't have a lot of money, or even if you've received some some funding externally from a venture capital firm, you still really have to look at your labor costs very specifically and manage those. We tend to hire family and friends because we already know them. We think we know what we're getting, and typically they'll usually work for cheaper mm -hmm. than some developer that we're recruiting from Silicon Valley. The thing about that is, you can still do that, but you really, that doesn't avoid, uh, doesn't void you from having to set up what your culture is going to be and your standards and your employee handbook and manage those expectations. An employee is an employee. And, and you need to make sure that if you're hiring a friend or family, that you treat them on a professional level like you would any other external hire. And if you think that they're not going to really align with what you're defining as your business goals and objectives. It's going to cost you more in the long run because you're going to have to replace that person than if you had just done some due diligence on the front end. So if I think I heard you correctly, you say don't hire grandma to run the machine in the back <laughs> of the uh, of the uh, factory there. Exactly. Right. It, unless you really think that that's going to be the best fit for you. Typically, it's not. And typically, it's harder to performance manage people if they're not doing a good job, if they're related to us. Right. And if you uh, attract the right people and you create the right culture, they'll be part of your family in short time anyway. Absolutely. So because you'll spend they'll be your work family. Absolutely. And so, uh, you know, to try to avoid hiring any, you know, long term relatives <laughs> and start up fresh with some new faces and then uh, turn them into your family. And the other component of that is and I see this with founders a lot who have been friends, say they were collegiate friends or friends that have left a company and they have a really great idea and three friends form a company um, that's a startup. One of the downfalls or pitfalls falls that, that I frequently see in my business with that situation is that they don't clearly define what the roles and expectations are from the very beginning. And so once they become successful and once their business starts growing, sometimes there's this inequitable feeling and you start getting some what we call bad blood amongst the founders. And a lot of that could have been avoided if they had really done some foundational steps in the beginning, defining who does what and who owns what part of this company. It sounds like you're much more than just an HR shop over there. At I the try HR to be. <laughs> shop. You're an executive coach. You're a leader. You're a mentor. You're an overall motivator. Yes. Um, I also see you're plugged into the community here in Chattanooga. Mm -hmm. You're part of the uh, Women's Groundbreakers, the Chamber of Commerce, Small Business and Entrepreneur, Chattanooga Food Bank, a Search Committee, and volunteers with Cornerstones as well. So yes. you're all over the place. I try to be. And, yeah. and I feel really passionate about the, the community in Chattanooga. And I really think that small businesses and startups really define your community. That really creates the fabric of your community and buy-in. And so I feel a great responsibility to support that community, to be a part of it and ensure that we have a really successful one here so that we can continue to be a vibrant business community and employ local Chattanoogans in those roles. I certainly uh, think that you're on the right track and Chattanooga, uh, 
Chattanoogans are lovely to have you uh, here and uh, have you kind of coaching them through some of this uh, culture that's happening in Renaissance that's happening here yes. in Chattanooga. So we thank you for taking time out of today to join us. Please share with our listeners how they can find out more information about you or your services. Um, I'm on Twitter at Laura underscore the HR shop. Uh, my website is www.thehrshop.net, although it's being redone right now and is currently offline. Or you can reach me via email, Laura Hessler at the HR shop.net. I also see you're on LinkedIn, but uh, Laura Paddock on LinkedIn. Yes. So connect with her there <laughs> if you want to get connected on the uh, professional social media platform yes. like LinkedIn. Um, and all this information will be published on our website, chattanooga.businessradiox.com, so you can uh, get connected with Laura there. So thank you so much again thank for you. talking with us today on Chattanooga Business Radio. Please stick with us as we uh, turn our attention to our other guests. But before we do that, remind our listeners, you can follow us on Twitter at Business Radio X, and we're using the hashtag Chattanooga Business Radio here today. This interview and others will be housed at chattanooga.businessradiox.com. All right, Mr. Keith Campbell, how you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I am excellent. So thank you for revisiting us here on Chattanooga Business Radio. You are the president of 3D Operations, Inc. Correct. Uh, all right. We go by 3D Ops. 3D Ops, mm-hmm. right. And tell our listeners what you do for folks. Well, we basically are focused on uh, making 3D models of patients' anatomy before they go into surgery so that it can be shared with their surgeon and surgical team so they can plan their surgery. How do you make these 3D models? Well, uh, it's a patented process, so I okay. can't tell you a whole lot about all the right. actual details. Uh, but all we do is take the MRIs or MRAs, CT scans or CTAs, echocardiograms, whatever, the normal images that have been around for a long time and keep getting better all the time. Yeah. But we take those digital files that are made by the radiologist and we convert those files to 3D printable files. Then we customize those files for whatever the surgeon wants, colors, materials, uh, in different pieces, or they want it all whole. However they want it customized, there's hundreds and hundreds of uh, ways to customize it. And then we get it to the uh, surgeon within 24 hours so they can hold and plan and just contemplate the surgery uh, before they walk into the OR. So how much time does it take from that? I get a copy of my MRI and I submit it to you guys, then you actually were able to make a, a 3D mock-up of uh, a leg or whatever. Right. Uh, our goal is always 24, hours, 24 uh, hours into the surgeon's hands. That's great. And um, you do that here in Chattanooga? We do. And you We're do proud it for, to be here. And you do that for hospitals and doctors all over the state of Tennessee or just here locally? Well, um, as you've been talking about the startup community already here today, uh, we're a startup. Uh, we're about a year old. Uh, we graduated from Gig Tank here in Chattanooga in 2014. Uh, then we won the Early Innovator Award uh, for 2014. Uh, but we're still a brand new company. And uh, what we're doing is cutting edge in the healthcare arena. Uh, we've all known one-off cases for uh, printing a person's heart or printing a bone or a leg that uh, had been broken or what have you, but really using it on a uh, continual basis to make impacts on patients over and over again each day with uh, all the surgical departments in a hospital has not been done. So what we've just done is sign a uh, pilot with our local hospital, Erlanger Hospital uh, Health Systems, and uh, we're going to be doing a full hospital-wide pilot program to study every surgical department in the hospital. So all the different types of surgeries are going to come to us and we're going to study which kind of surgery that we can help with the most and what the benefits are to the surgeon, to the hospital, but most importantly to the patient. 
And so we're going to be doing a quite an involved, detailed study, uh, studying very many points of, of, uh, of interest and really putting it on the map here in uh, Chattanooga. And we're surprised that nobody's done this in the whole world. We're, we're blessed that we're able to do that. It sounds like a very large undertaking. How long is this going to take to complete? Well, the pilot uh, is defined a uh, six-month term. We can extend that if we need to. Uh, we certainly feel like we're going to get a lot of data and detail by then. Uh, we're going to be doing a lot of cases and, uh, and then quantifying them, uh, each one of them, and studying some with and some without of the same types of surgeries so we can really uh, uh, really quantify the impact. And you said any type of surgery that's taking place in the hospital over that six-month period could be right. anything from a gallbladder removal to open-heart surgery to brain surgery. You're going to be able to uh, provide some value to those. Absolutely. Uh, it's going to be extremely exciting. Uh, we just had a case that we just uh, finished that was uh, uh, from the urology department. Uh, and I can talk about this one because the patient has signed off on that. So, uh, uh, though we've done many, many cases, we can only talk about very few of them. Uh, but this particular one, uh, this gentleman had suffered through with uh, uh, kidney stones since he was 17 years old. And uh, he was having trouble again. He finally broke down and went into a hospital. They took a CT scan of him. Uh, when they looked at the CT scan, it was his left kidney that had the kidney stone. They noticed something wrong with his right kidney. And so they sent him down to the main campus of Erlanger and uh, to a specialist. And the urologist took a look at it and said, you know, told him that some pretty bad news. He uh, obviously had cancer and it was uh, at a very extended uh, posture at that point in his kidney. Mm. And uh, so this particular doctor was well informed of what we do, and he contacted us immediately, and he said, I really want to do this. I want a model of this uh, particular case. So we got the uh, uh, the HIPAA compliancy that goes along with that and protecting the patient's uh, uh, information. And we got the file. We converted it, printed the file for him, and uh, got it to the, the uh, surgeon the very next day. Mm -hmm. And I'll never forget handing uh, Dr. Kill the uh, kidney. And we did that one in clear. The kidney was in clear material and the tumors were in a blue. So he could look through and see where the tumors were actually, uh, how they were impacting his kidney. And in the meantime, Dr. Kill had found out that this particular patient had di uh, diabetes. And so normally they would just simply take that second kidney out and let the patient live with just one and uh they couldn't they, they could but it, the, the uh a gentleman would don't be on dialysis the rest of his life mm. he's a young man uh and it was just ridiculous so we were able to hand the kidney to the surgeon and he looked at it and within 10 seconds he said oh my goodness that's different than I thought. Now, he'd been looking at the CT scan. He'd been looking at all the uh, data images that, that, that surgeons look at all the time. But he realized that looking at it in a, a spatial context where he could see exactly how the tumor connected with that kidney. Uh, he had six major uh, tumors, by the way. There was a pretty bad case. He was able to define a surgical procedure to save that man's kidney. And that gentleman will not have to be on dialysis, not a day of his life, at least for that particular problem. And uh, that's just one case of how 3D printing absolutely impacted uh, that patient and his family. Well, that's great. Yeah, great testimonial for sure. And real world feedback on how it was able to help uh, a sick person, uh, but only uh, also avoid getting uh, unnecessary surgery or being forced with dial dialysis for the rest of his life. Right. That's great. So we're talking with Keith Campbell. He's president with 3D Ops.
uh, unlocking the hidden information in MRI and CT cans through the 3D printing technology. Now, this is an evolving space. This is something that hasn't been around long. It's continuing to grow. Um, what are your thoughts about the 3D printing? And particularly here in Chattanooga, you guys seem to be spearheading uh, the, this uh, technology. Absolutely. Uh, you know, it's very difficult to convert the uh, 3D or the images from a CT scan or whatever to make it 3D printable. That's where the secret sauce is of what we do. And uh, being able to be on top of that and the algorithms that it takes to do that on an automatic basis speeds up the process and guarantees a good outcome. That's very difficult on a one-off manual process of doing that. That deters any hospital from being able to do that. And uh, we were able and blessed to, to be able to figure that out and uh, uh, have that capability. And now our goal is to prove it through this pilot and then get it out there to every hospital that wants it. There's 5,573 hospitals in the United you States. You know exactly how many there are, don't you? Uh, yeah, it's kind of my job to know that. Uh, and, um, you know, we don't have to affect too many of those to where we're hitting uh, and touching a lot of people's lives. Mm -hmm. I know that case I was just referring to, uh, Mr. Crow said that when he was handed the model, because Dr. Keel actually handed him the model prior to surgery, he realized how bad he was. Mm. He understood what the surgeons had been telling him, but he couldn't really make it real in his life. And he held that for just a few seconds and realized that, it, that for his family, he had to do this, yeah. had to go through this. And uh, uh, so there's an educational process. There's so many levels of where this 3D printing makes a big, big difference. And you just mentioned a minute ago about the pilot agreement with Erlanger Health System. Uh, what else is coming up on the horizon for 3D Ops in 2016? Well, certainly the next six months are going to be uh, fairly tied down with the uh, pilot, but that's the big deal. That's where everybody will learn the details of what surgeries rise to the top and why. How do they benefit the patients and what materials and, and uh, uh, what kind of printing do we need to use for each particular type? Mm -hmm. So we're going to define a great deal of this whole uh, evolving space of 3D printing and healthcare uh, during this thing, as well as one other thing that uh, Dr. Blaze Baxter is heading up for us. No one has ever studied the images themselves, which is where it starts from, the CT uh, scans or the MRIs, to find out how should they be taken to better the image so that it can be converted and then 3D printed. So, you know, we've got to start at the beginning, and, and nobody set those protocols, and that's part of the pilot, too, is to establish those protocols on all kinds of different types of imaging machines and uh, different parts of the anatomy. And uh, that's huge. Uh, and that forever will have uh, Chattanooga yeah. uh, right beside that study. I think so. And then your thoughts on why Chattanooga? You know, why here? Why now? And, and certainly where do you see it going again in 2016? Great question. Um, this is home for me. And uh, my partners, uh, uh, one of them was in Memphis, and he moved here because this was the right place to be. Our focus here is on evolving and building an infrastructure and a culture around the city to make it easy for people to do startups, where you've got all the different uh, uh, things that you need to start a business and support and uh, uh, an ever-evolving community, but it's also a great place to raise your family, mm -hmm. a great place to be. It's just beautiful here. Uh, I don't want to speak too well because we'll attract too many more people, <laughs> yeah. and then uh, traffic up, will get bad. Yeah, you'll right? end up being like Atlanta. <laughs> yeah, no, no, please. <laughs> too many no. people came too fast, and the city couldn't keep up. But, uh, yeah, the road system kind of oh, lagged yeah. behind. Yep. It? Um, 
But, you know, it's a great community. We've been working on this. I mean, I, I graduated uh, a long time ago from college, and as soon as I could get out of here, within just a couple of months, I was out of here. Uh, I couldn't get out of here fast enough. It was terrible back then. Uh, Walter Cronkite called this the uh, dirtiest, most polluted city in America. Oh, my goodness. Uh, on national TV, and we re really appreciated that uh, exposure. But uh, I got out of here as young, and I really didn't want to be here. And uh, now I'm proud to be back. I am absolutely proud to be back and have my family here and grow this uh, these different kinds of businesses. It's just a great culture. I'm sure the city is proud to have you back and are thankful to have men like you spearheading these new technologies and these new products and services coming to the market and and uh, only looking for bigger and bolder things from 3D Ops. Um, and, you know, certainly after this big study comes back, I'm, people from all over the world are going to be coming and knocking on your door uh, to get some of that data that you're collecting over there. So absolutely, uh, yeah, wish you much success going forward personally as well as professionally. If you could remind our listeners how they can find out more information about 3D Ops or yourself. Sure. Uh, you can find us on the web at uh, 3Doperations.com or 3Dops.co. And uh, our, uh, of course, Twitter, you can find me at, uh, uh, at KCAP3D. Mm -hmm. And, uh, of course, 3D Ops uh, is on Twitter. Yes, also. so we encourage our listeners to connect with them on the social media platform so you can stay current and up-to-date on all the new exciting technologies and products and services that 3D Ops is bringing to market. So uh, thank you again, Keith, for joining us, and we look forward to hearing more great things from you in the future. Well, thank you very much. It's an honor to be here. Uh, my pleasure. And uh, remind our listeners, you can uh, hear Keith's interview at chattanooga.businessradiox.com when it's convenient for you. So if you're washing the car or making dinner you can always dial in our podcast there and uh, listen to it at your convenience all right ladies and gentlemen it is now time for our headliner he's been waiting patiently so thank you so much to michael walton executive director of green spaces how you doing sir i'm doing great thanks so much ryan all um, right so green spaces let's start off there what are you doing for folks yeah so green spaces has been in chattanooga since 2007 um and and since then it's really been a catalyst uh for sustainability in chattanooga um laura and keith actually kind of set me up perfectly for everything <laughs> i'm going to be talking about you know keith talking you, about kind of the the overall arc of chattanooga you know going from 1969 and being the dirtiest city uh, in the country to where we are now. And then what Green Spaces is focused on is kind of continuing that arc into the future uh, and making us really, I mean, the the most sustainable mid-sized city in the country. Uh, and how we do that is a series of programs. Um, and I'll start with kind of our three big ones and I'll go through some of our, our, our other ones. But... Uh, Empower Chattanooga is is really one of the most important things that we're working on right now. It is a, an education and outreach program in low-income neighborhoods uh, that focuses not just on, on energy and affordability of utilities, but kind of broader challenges to quality of life in those neighborhoods. And we really see the utility affordability issues as kind of a symptom of some of these larger challenges and and it, it becomes kind of a a point that sends people's lives into chaos when they you know maybe their rent or their mortgage is affordable but then they get a four or five hundred dollar electric bill right. in the winter uh and you know all of a sudden that was that was the money for food that was the money for medicine 
uh, and you know, it just goes to keep the lights on. Yeah. Um, and so we're really trying to work on both kind of teaching people how to, con- how, how to take control over that, uh, and kind of teaching them just the, the kind of basic sciences around air sealing, uh, insulation, appliances, you know, those sorts of things, yeah. but then also connecting them to the other resources uh, as part of this empowered network. We have over 30 uh, organizations that are kind of part of this effort. Uh, and so connecting them to the resources that they need to confront those kind of headline challenges, mm-hmm. because it's you can't have a conversation about energy for the sake of energy uh, if somebody is you know struggling to put food on the table right but we know from the food bank that over half like 67 percent of the people that they serve are actively choosing between paying for utilities or paying for food right so we know it's an issue but yeah. we also know it's not like a kind of front of the mind issue so yeah and empower chattanooga sounds much more than just an energy saving program it is it's a way to connect neighborhoods and put them on a path to sustainability for the future um and looking at those reasons why uh, they're out of balance in some of these uh some of these areas that's correct that's correct and so at the same time as empower chattanooga is kind of raising the floor of sustainability we're also trying to kind of raise the ceiling with our next-gen homes. So these are a series of net-zero energy homes that we're working on developing uh, in the North Shore neighborhood that with solar panels will produce as much energy as they consume over the course of a year mm-hmm. uh, and do that at market rate. Okay, uh, yeah, because I think that's the big challenge for a lot of folks is to make it affordable uh, and effective. That's so. exactly right, and that's really the, the point of the project. Uh, and so we're in the process of even kind of redesigning our initial design to bring that cost down even further. Um, and the additional components are that we want a home that you know not only will be super energy efficient and create its own energy, but also one that protects and promotes the health of the occupants. Uh, unfortunately, in the building industry, there are a lot of chemicals and ingredients that go into very common building materials that we know either cause cancer or cause asthma or uh, are endocrine disruptors and other reproductive uh, have reproductive health impacts. And yet we still put them yes. in buildings right. all the time. Right. Um, and so, uh, you know, working with uh, health product declarations, environmental product declarations, uh, looking at just, you know, basic material selection, there's actually a, a, another great company that started in Chattanooga because of the design competition that we did with our next-gen homes called Greens EcoBuild. And they're actually selling these kinds of products now. They just opened. They're a, they're a startup uh, over on Riverside Drive. So now anybody can can get these, these paints, uh, flooring, uh, sealants uh, that, that won't have those kind of ne- negative health impacts. Yeah. Um, our next program is probably the most relevant to the listeners, uh, which is Greenlight. Uh, so 
you know, we're we're focusing with Empower and uh, our next gen homes on the residential market. Greenlight is really looking at the commercial market. Okay. And that's where I mean, Laura, you know, couldn't have been better in terms of her her discussions around uh, corporate uh, corporate culture and your business culture because that's exactly what we're doing with Greenlight. It's basically helping businesses adopt a culture of sustainability that exactly, as Laura said, is consistent throughout their entire kind of business uh, plan. Right. So it goes through the employee handbook. It goes into, you know, how they communicate with the public, goes into the website uh, and really helps people articulate those values that we really share in Chattanooga that you know, this is just how we do business here now. You know, it maybe isn't how we did business here in the 60s, but, you know, this is important to business in Chattanooga that you that you look not only at, okay, you know, what's the primary purpose of my business, but every business, whether they own a building or, or lease space, you know, you make decisions every single day that have impacts on the environment and on your employees. And so we want to just help educate those businesses to know about those impacts and look for ways to reduce them. So it's not, you know, to get Greenlight certified, it's really about kind of the trajectory and uh, less about having arrived. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, the kind of value propositions that this brings to a business that we already kind of touched on, the number one is probably employee attraction and retention. Uh, we know that millennials that make a, today a third of the workforce and you know will be probably 70% of the workforce in just a few years, uh, 88% of them are looking for employers that share their sustainability values. Yeah. And half of them, a full half, are willing to take a pay cut to actually work for an employer uh, that shares those values. And so in addition to that, you can also see pretty substantial cost savings by, by paying attention to these sorts of details. Uh, the Hunter, which is one of, one of the Greenlight participants, the Hunter Museum, uh, over the course of uh, just five years, saved $75,000 from just very small changes uh, to their energy use, uh, just very kind of simple uh, adjusting set points, testing, mm-hmm. you know, going back. But they wouldn't know that if they hadn't kind of tracked it and paid attention to it. And that's what you're able to do. You're able to put a plan together for them to that's look at exactly a little right. more detailed mm-hmm. at their energy efficiency. Um, yep. and, and so that makes good sense. And then we also go even further than that and look at like transportation. We look at landscaping. We look at green cleaning. Uh, we look at employee engagement and wellness um, because it, as Laura said, it has to be something that is completely integrated throughout your business. It's not just kind of a tack on thing at the end. It has to come from the CEO and the leadership, but it also has to come through the employees. Right. Yes. Yeah, sustainability just doesn't happen on its own. It needs to become a primary focus or yep. mission of your organization um, if you are to achieve that uh, sustainability, which then attracts more employees uh, and helps keep the ones that are there around longer yep. uh, when you provide this type of culture. So, um, so good. You got lots of programs uh, from helping everybody from the low income families to the businesses to the upper income. We're looking for more of a modern house. 
um, and, and Green Spaces is able to kind of put all that in one place for people to find and get information for. That's exactly right. And the, just to really quickly, the other uh, things that we kind of work on, our resource center is at 63 East Main Street. Uh, we have a storefront presence there that people can come in and look at some of these things that we talk about. We have a membership program with monthly lunch and learns. Uh, we also have Sustainability Professionals of Greater Chattanooga, which is a, a, a separate kind of member-based group that, that lives under Green Spaces for the individuals whose full-time job is really focusing on sustainability. So it's like a peer-to-peer -peer place it where is. you can go to get uh, you know, feedback, counseling, uh, just exchange information with like-minded individuals. That's exactly right. And so a lot of people are starting to have these roles as sustainability director for kind of a large corporation. You know, where do you go to help kind of trade best practices with that? Uh, and we're also seeing more investment in these terms. So ESG portfolios, uh, you know, I think one in every $7 of new money that was invested uh, this past year was invested in an environmentally uh, or social governance uh rated organization i see uh and uh, you said this resource center where people can go to and mm -hmm. see things in actual real time working and get some real uh, immediate feedback on if they were thinking about adopting a certain plan that you can get all that at the resource center that's exactly right yeah yep. good and we have a, a lot of this is on our website uh the whole green light system is web-based mm -hmm. it's a very very simple process that businesses can go through and just pick one thing they want to focus on for a period of time uh, and just knock that out. And then when they do, they tell us that they're done. And then we help tell their story through our social media, through our network, mm -hmm. through you know our membership uh, that you know we're telling the story of sustainability. One of the most recent uh, ones that, that I learned about was uh, Loopy's Pizza, which is one of our uh, Greenlight participants. They uh, actually compost the, the food from their restaurants on their farm where they grow the food for their restaurants. Nice. Right. That's real sustainability right That's there. That's exactly right. That's a full circle kind of yep. deal. Um, so we're talking with Michael Walton. He's the executive director of Green Spaces, providing you and your company and your neighborhood sustainability options. Uh, I can tell you're real passionate about this, and you certainly are doing really good work. You're, you're changing the world here in Chattanooga, one person, one business at a time. Where do you get this passion from? What drives or motivates you on a regular oh, basis? Man. I mean, so a lot of it really comes from growing up in East Tennessee and, you know, growing up in the this natural environment that surrounds us that you know we all really uh, appreciate and then having having two boys got a four-year-old and a one-year-old and really wanting to make sure that they get to have those same kinds of experiences uh and that we're leaving them a better world than what's about your legacy we, yeah right you're, exactly. you're you really are uh, here in the now doing good things that are going to help us tomorrow and and beyond yeah uh, not only for your family but uh, the, the chattanooga family and and communities uh, across the city as a whole so that's great. So um, and any events uh, you mentioned, you guys have, like you said, some of this uh, meetups and stuff, any other events that people can kind of so, go to or get information from? Yep. On our website, we have a calendar of events. We have monthly lunch and learns. We have green drinks, uh, which is just kind of a networking event uh, for sustainably minded people. 
Um, we have our rooftop hop, which we just had on October 17th, which is our kind of annual uh, big event. We also have a chili cook-off at Main Times 24, mm. the 24-hour festival on, on Main Street. Um, and then... We, we also do special events every now and then. Right, so make sure you go to the yeah. website, greenspaceschattanooga.org, for more information about all the programs, about memberships, about the events, um, and, you know, making Chattanooga a more sustainable place to live, work, and build starts with you, listeners. And, can, and Michael and the folks at Green Spaces can help you uh, get on that path to success when it comes to sta- sustainability. Uh, this Friday is actually a sustainability professionals of Greater Chattanooga Lunch and Learn. Uh, so this Friday at Green Spaces, we're going to have we're going to be teaching people how to put together a CSA, uh, which is kind of a, a farm share program um, with local farmers. Excellent. So you can get signed up for there, get a free lunch out of the deal, learn a little bit, or do you have to pay for it? Uh, that's okay. <laughs> you still, it's worth the value if you, uh, get signed up and you'll again, uh, connect yourself with like-minded individuals here in Chattanooga who are doing good things for their neighborhood, their community, and the entire city as a whole. So, uh, uh, Michael Walton, thank you so much for taking time today. Please share our listeners. Any other contact other than the website out there? Yeah, uh, so we, we tweet at Green Spaces CHA. Uh, Natalie Hostetler, the program director for Greenlight, tweets at Greenlight CHA. Uh, I'm at Walton Architect. Uh, and then our our website is really one of the best ways to, to interact. Yeah, so uh, make that your first touch point for Green Spaces is their website and then connect with them uh, elsewhere on social media, LinkedIn, or the individuals over there as well. And certainly do encourage our listeners to get signed up for some of these events because sustainability starts with you and you can't do it uh, alone. So everybody's got to be working t- together on this. And it sounds like uh, you guys are spearheading some good things here in Chattanooga. So again, thank you, Michael for taking the time to speak with us today. Um, also remind our listeners, you can forget about big media ambushes and canned sound bites or fake pay-to-play interviews. We don't do that here at Business Radio X. We are pro-business, earned media, business professionals sharing their story with an engaged audience. So if your company is doing something interesting to generally serve your market, your community, and your profession, please reach out to us directly on the contact page at businessradiox.com. Thank you to Stone Payton and Lee Cantor. and behalf of the entire Business Radio X network, I am Ryan Redhawk McPherson. We will see you on the radio.